just to communicate data efficiently, but it's to grab an audience that otherwise would, would not look at this and to force them to engage in that material. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Data Masters podcast. My name is Nate Nelson. I'm sitting with Mark Marinelli from Tamer. He's going to introduce the subject and the guest of today's show. Mark, how's it going? Pretty well. How about you, Nate? Good. All right, let's go. A key part of data is communicating it to others, and that's where data visualization comes in. Nick Stepro, Senior VP of Product Management at Arcadia Healthcare, has made data visualization his career. Today, you'll hear him talk about how he got into data visualization, why you need empathy in design, and how he manages to communicate the value of data without taking away from its meaning. Here's my interview with Nick. In data, we have these big unanswered matters of how to gather the huge amounts of information in the world, how to make sense of it, and how to make use of it. With such big questions, the subject of data visualization that we're talking about today could potentially come across as a bit small. Um, why isn't that the case? Why is it worth dedicating a whole podcast episode like this to the subject of data viz? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I think the best way to think about this is to, to reframe the narrative of data visualization away from one of sort of um, technical minutia of, you know, color coding your graphs to one of just basic communication. That's all it is, plain and simple. I mean, if you think about how we intend to use data Sort of culturally and within the workplace, it's it's to take a um, object of information from one place and to jam it into a human being's brain. Uh, and if you think about those brains, they're just these big, beautiful processors that are capable of a ton of things, of pattern recognition um, uh, and, and, and drawing from experience and context. And so the question is, if you have all of this data that you've been curating and cultivating and wrangling, um, how do you how do you get that into the processor that can do something with it? Uh, and that's an exercise in communication. Uh, and that's what data visualization is. And I think without that, um, uh, uh, the data is largely useless. I, um, I think of this, this sort of story, and this happens to me a lot. It may happen to you. This concept of like the, the finance meeting, right? The exec team gets together, uh, the meetings, you know, more expensive than, than God. You've got, uh, 13 people all flying in, uh, spending a few hours together, and the finance team comes to the meeting and presents really critical information in some massive spreadsheet, right? And it's got, uh, it's got like 72 columns. You're already on the double letters in Excel, and you're sort of, you've got, you know, 15 people around a table trying to figure out what the heck it means. And then 10 minutes in, you know, they point you to sell you know, AL72. And it's like, that's what matters, right? It's like, that, that's, that's, that's the field that, that means something. And this happens a lot. And um, uh, what a more efficient way uh, it would be if we could communicate that information visually in a way that uh, these beautiful brains around the table could quickly contextualize that data and make decisions rapidly, um, rather than spending our time trying to, um, you know, parse through piles and piles of stats, right? Um, so that's the big picture on, on, on data viz. It is, it is less an exercise in um, minute technical details and more one of just basic communication of the information we have. 
Great. And I want to get into some of the details of what you just said. But firstly, how did you land on this specialty, working not just with data, but visualizations in particular? I got here largely by accident. You know, I think I um, I started in basic web development um, and studied, you know, econometrics and stats and things like that. And uh, I happened to enter the workforce at a time where web development was beginning to um, support data visualization in a wholly unique fashion uh, and and enabled us to sort of pull our heads out of Microsoft Excel bar charts and pie charts and all that stuff and think more freely about how you visualize information, particularly how you visualize in an interactive format. Um, so that 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 those confluence of those two things and the fact that I operate in healthcare where there there are really unique, challenges in information design information presentation uh, uh, brought me to this place and I and I haven't looked back um, for largely the reasons I just mentioned the level of importance of, of communicating data um, across a broad, broad spectrum of, of consumers so the first most obvious purpose of data visualization that comes to mind is to translate complex ideas and numbers into a simpler form for dummies like me uh, is there more to it? Uh, what's the fundamental purpose of doing visualizations? I think there are many, and I'll get into that in a second because they're they're the reason you do the reason you visualize data can vary. It can be towards an artistic pursuit. It can be towards a you know an efficiency or a power user angle. Um, uh, it can be for data journalism, right? So for broad communication of simple concepts to folks. Um, but but the, the analogy I'd most like to think about is, is that of the, the hard drive to the processor, right? So we've, we've shoved all of our data up into the cloud, and that's all well and good, but it, it's only as good as it can be communicated down uh, to local processing um, uh, 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 units, right? And I, I think the same is true on, on the data front. We have spent um, untold money and effort consolidating massive swaths of data, but that data is only as good as the bandwidth between it uh, and, and, and human processors, right? And so you have this, this challenge in computer science that you're probably aware of this uh, problem being IO constrained, right? Like uh, it, it is not, you're not constrained by the amount of computational power that you have. You're constrained by the ability to read and write data to and from those computational units. And we run up into that problem a lot in the data world where you've got um, people capable of making powerful decision when armed with the right information, but it's very, very hard to efficiently get that information to and from their brains. Um, and so in order to get over that IO constraint, uh, we focus on expanding bandwidth. And that's exactly what data visualization is, right? It's broadening the pipe so that in a shorter period of time, a human being can contextualize information and make decisions on it. Um, and there are a bunch of ways to do that. You know, visualization is is only one of them. It just so happens that human beings have been wired in this this way that responds to um, uh, 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 visual aspects better than a lot of other things. And so, uh, presenting quantitative information in a two dimensional plane or three dimensional space so that we can interact with them sort of as objects that goes a long way in um, in accelerating our understanding. Now, one of the terms I've come across in speaking with you recently is this notion of empathy and design. Um, Nick, what does it mean to have empathy and design? Yeah, it's it's, it's really it's um, it's hard to overstate the importance of this. Um, 
it's really the only thing that matters, right? So, uh, if if again, if you take this lens that data visualization is um, is an exercise in communication, uh, how do you effectively communicate to someone if you don't truly understand them or you don't attempt to deeply understand them? Um, you know, my, my, my day job is not just data, but is in running a product development team, right? So in, in, the, in the product world, we have this concept of human-centered design, where instead of just delivering features, you, um, you attempt to profoundly understand the needs and problems and barriers for the users that you're designing for. Um, and the same is true in, 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 in data visualization. It's, it's not sort of a one-size-fits-all one exercise. You need to think about who you're communicating with and what their background is, both culturally, education, um, uh, th their, their level of familiarity with the subject matter. Um, there's this, this problem that you, you may understand. Uh, it happens to me a lot. It's, it's the, the challenge of like expert bias. Um, where someone creating a data visualization has been sort of knee deep in some piece of data or domain for uh, hours, days, weeks, months, right? And they overestimate the level of expertise of their um, of their target audience, and they sort of make leaps um, in their data data design so that fresh eyes, when they see it, they're not able to, to contextualize it in the same way that um, th that that the author is. So. Um, you know, th there are ways to com combat that. Uh, one of them is to, to have friends and shop your designs around early. Um, and when you do that, you have to avoid, I, I, earlier on in my career, I would always have this gut reaction, right? You show sort of a piece of work to someone and they're like, well, I don't understand. What's the blue color mean? And it's like, no, you idiot. The blue color means this, right? And you sort of like have this harsh reaction. You need to, you need to avoid that. And you need to welcome the fact that people are coming at it with a different set of backgrounds and, um, uh, and, and levels of understanding and take that feedback and then refine your design so that as you, as you shop it around to further individuals, they're able to, to get the value out of it that they want. Um, there's a couple of other, you know, useful tips there. Uh, the, the the concept of a legend. I, I don't know if you, um, if if you look at a lot of data visualizations, you know, they can skew from very utilitarian to very artistic. I happen to lean towards the aesthetic end, and so the concept of adding a whole bunch of scales and uh, legends is is kind of frustrating because it can uh, it can sort of impede the the aesthetic pursuit of that of that piece of work. Um, and I've, I've only recently leaned into them and sort of accepted that legends can be beautiful and that there are, there are really beautiful artistic ways to draw a consumer in and to help them understand the information that you're trying to present um, while still maintaining some of those um, uh, more you know, endearing aesthetic pursuits that we have. One of the other ideas that's bounced around um, is this notion of accessibility versus power users. I want to bring your attention, Nick, to one of the many visualizations on your personal website. Uh, this one in particular is titled, I Love Nick Cage. Uh, 
Now, for listeners who can't see what I'm referencing, it should suffice to say that this visualization in particular has so many nodes and so many connectors that it nearly destroyed my computer. (laughs) So, Nick, explain yourself. Why torture me by taking something I thought I knew and making it look like rocket science? I thought this was the opposite of what DataViz was for. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, part of that is uh, my personal site is a reasonably tongue-in-cheek uh, attempt at visualizing mundane information in overly complex ways. So part of its uh, <laughs> uh, artistic pursuit is to is to misdirect to, to, to some degree. Um, but I but I think I think that's a great that's a great jumping jumping off point. Um, what you're referencing um, is, is sort of a force directed you know tree style diagram, which is. Uh, topical for this podcast if you go to basically any big data shop um any startup that exists or existing big data shop they usually have some background image on their header that has a bunch of nodes being connected by all of these lines right and that's like the best we have at visualizing big data because it makes people think that there are these fancy neural networks making all of these inferences etc um but it's just a simple force directed diagram which is a way to present um uh, co-occurrence, you know, relationship information, etc. cetera. Uh, in the case of Cage, who happens to be one of my, um, one of my favorite, favorite actors, uh, he has spanned a career, uh, where he interacts with, uh, you know, hundreds and, and, and thousands of, um, of other artists. And so a, a relationship diagram like that, we can show an individual and span out sort of in a six degrees of seven, ba- Kevin Bacon kind of thing. Uh, uh, fan out and, and understand how those relationships have built and how multiple movies have been shared between actors is um, uh, exists. But again, it's, it's it's kind of tongue in tongue in cheek, and um, I, I think the the concept of design considerations across different types of audiences is, is actually a really important topic. Um, if you again, if we if we anchor this as as um, if you anchor data visualization as just a means of communication, right? Uh, you can think about an alternative means of communication, which is the written word. Um, and when you think about the written word, there uh, are many different modes by which that's delivered, right? So one of them would be poetry, uh, where the the intent of that written word is kind of ambiguous. Right, it's an, it's attempting to be meditative. It's trying to appeal to potentially emotion rather than just pure reason or deeper philosophies. Then you have textbooks, also written word. Um, they don't make a lick of sense to anyone that reads them, uh, except for those that have a certain baseline of understanding. But they're well indexed. They're data dense. Um, uh, 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 you can quickly download a tremendous amount of information. And then you have things like like public. Uh, uh, signs, street signs, right? And that's also written word, but they're explicitly, you know, at a simple reading level. They've got these big, fat, round Helvetica letters, iconography, etc. Um, uh, and and those are all different modalities of the written word. And if you think about data visualization, there are analogies for all three of those, right? So for the textbook, you have these, you know, if you're familiar with these dashboards um, in Tableau or Power BI that have, you know, a thousand filters and slicers and dicers and drill downs, uh, might not make any sense to somebody outside of that domain. But for someone that knows what they're doing, it's really uh, a, a quick method to interact with information and, and, and gather gather insight. Um, 
on the poetry side, you, you'll see on my 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 site and on the data gallery that are that um, I maintain at Arcadia, uh, a lot of those pieces skew towards art. Um, they're they're not explicitly designed to quickly communicate information, right? Um, th there's a piece on there that I like. Uh, I made a few years ago. It's called the Final Year. We look at how we die in America. And as an aside, the answer to how we die in America is that we do it really poorly. Um, we're really bad at dying. We don't plan for it. Um, we throw money at the problem. We die in hospitals instead of at home. Um, and it's it's a topic that I feel really strongly about. So instead of just communicating that stat, which frankly could be communicated, you know, in a simple bar chart, I wanted people to meditate on the topic, right? So you create a very abstract piece. It actually looks like a waterfall of millions of blips of data. One One piece of data representing a you know a visit between a patient and a provider in their in their final year so it's technically like a scatter graph right where every data point is actual xy you know uh, axis but but it it is presented in a way that is not immediately obvious and you really need to sit and meditate on that and there's value in that in the same way there's value in poetry um and then there's the public sign metaphor right so the um uh uh, the intent to communicate to folks that don't have time or have a broad baseline of understanding. That's a totally different kind of, of, of information display. Think about like your classic executive dashboard, right? Um, someone has five seconds. They want the 30,000 foot view. It needs to be boiled down, all of that jargon, right? Um, and that that's a difficult exercise in and of itself where you're not appealing to someone that's willing to invest a tremendous amount of time in something. Um, I'm working on a piece right now, and it's going to go out to hundreds of healthcare executives, right? Um, and so you do what you're supposed to do in, in this, this type of topic. You focus on primary colors. You've got stoplight metaphors, right? You don't throw in a ton of spark lines. You keep it really, really simple. Uh, you don't want to alienate the user, right? A lot of these healthcare executives, if they see something they don't understand, they feel alienated, they throw the report book out, right? So you want to be very friendly and approachable. Um, but that comes with this really, really big trade-off um, because you reduce the resolution of the data and you, you open things up to misinterpretation. One of the challenges that I've come up to um, uh, is, is boiling things down to a letter grade, right? So it's like, how do you really communicate simple stuff visually to, to, to somebody? Qu quantitative information, but I'm um, communicated simply. And uh, one of the ways to do that is just to default to a letter grade, right? I'm not going to tell you all of the details, but someone got an A, B, C, D, or F. Um, and, and so I built that out, but then you stumble upon another challenge. And this gets back to the empathy and design, which is like, are, is, are the grades curved, right? Is the C average? Most of these healthcare executives probably never got lower than a B minus in their life, right? So all of a sudden you show a C on there and people get fired because uh, they think it's an F. Uh, and, and so all of a sudden you've, you've tried to boil things down and create a visual paradigm that is approachable and simple. Um, but you put a tremendous amount at risk in doing so, if that makes sense. This brings me to the question of creative input. You, Nick, get to choose what makes it into a visualization and what form that visualization takes. Um, I rarely have the thought going through your website that, oh yeah, this is exactly how I would have mapped out this information. It's usually more like, you know, how in the world did he come up with this? So what goes into making these decisions about what information to include and also how to represent it? Honestly, it's an exercise in breaking your your 
prior understanding of of visualization the concept of a bar chart and a line chart they're relatively new concepts right and so the way people used to you know describe quantitative information was a little bit more freeing if that makes any sense because people weren't confined to using Excel and PowerPoint. So it wasn't just like a button that you hit to generate a pie chart. You had quantitative information and you had a lot more freedom in how to display. And we now have a little bit more of that freedom. And so part of the creative decision-making is, is a little more organic when you, when you free your brain from the confinements of the, the bar chart and the pie chart. And you think about data being able to represent any array of shapes, lines, or objects, um, then you can really let the the data do the do the talking. Um, and and I often think of my own brain as a computer processor, and I look at a set of data and I say, what would be interesting ways to try to expand my understanding of this data and feel out the different shapes and textures of a of a of a given piece of data? And often that leads to some pretty wild um, wild outputs. Uh, you know, and, and, and to your point, um, oftentimes the most efficient way to communicate something is with with a series of bar charts. Uh, but that is not the sole pursuit of a lot of that that data gallery and a lot of data visualization in general. It is not just to communicate data fi- efficiently, but it's to grab an audience that otherwise would would not look at this um, and to and to force them to engage in that material and. There are good ways to do that, and a lot of them are to um, show colors and shapes and outlines that that someone has never seen before because they're immediately drawn into what that might represent. Now that we've talked about the theory and the practice of it, how can DataViz affect business outcomes? Yeah, I think you know it's um, uh, in in many ways it has been sort of like cheaply applied. If you think about ten years ago, there's like explosion of the infographic, right? I don't know if you remember this, where every company was putting out these, um, you know, kind of bogus, cutesy infographics uh, with pseudo quantitative information. And so that's the angle where I think folks have leaned on this medium from a from a pure pure marketing standpoint. Um, I I think it can go a lot further. I think we are literacy of data literacy amongst um, amongst consumers uh, and and businesses has been expanding considerably. And I think the extent to which a business can embrace that and meet their their users at a higher level of literacy and provide meaningful ways to interact with data. I mean, you think about any any modern technology company is really a data company. You know, there are very few that aren't in this in the pursuit of building building a, a set of data that we can then, you know, create inferences from and uh, 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 build platforms off of. And, and, and with that in mind, if you're sitting on this wealth of data and you're not thinking about how to intelligently render it to both your um, your internal stakeholders within the organization, but also externally to your customers, you are leaving a ton of value on the table for that information. Is data visualization a science or an art? It's great. I mean, I mean, it's both. Uh, and some people sit on different ends of that um, d- different ends of that divide. I mean, there there is real uh, science and behavior studies and cognitive. Um, um, 
studies that go into how to present quantitative information to the human brain, right? Again, thinking about that that broadband channel, right, between hard drive and processor, there's very real biology behind how the cortex interprets a bunch of, uh, of, of visual stimuli, right, and, and converts that into to, um, to knowledge. So there, there's a tremendous amount of science that goes into that. Um, but I skew, and you'll see this in a lot of what I do, probably more towards the um, uh, the art standpoint. And I think uh, we have these tools now to be very expressive with data that we have, and um, uh, our whole world is data, right? So when you when you watch a movie, that's data, right? That's that's columns and rows where every pixel is a color that represents something, and the mosaic of them together. Uh, 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 represents a world that we see. And it's not dissimilar from how you think about rendering data. Um, you can create these beautifully rich pictures that appeal to both the emotion and the reason of individuals. Um, and so that's what, that's what gets me off uh, in this space. Nick, to finish things off here, why do you feel passionate about DataViz? I, I, well, I think, I think there's a selfish reason and then there's, um, uh, uh, there's a, a, a bigger reason. On the selfish reason, I think there are very few disciplines that let you combine so many parts of your brain and experience into one pursuit. So I love crunching numbers. I may spend my weekends pounding, you know, Python and JavaScript and SQL and all of that. And I'm not very good at coding, like the code's hideous once you look at it, but I, I love interacting with technology and uh, and and data. But I also really like communicating and I like thinking about human beings um, and how we want to interact with the world around us. Uh, I like aesthetics. Um, I, I spend a lot of my time browsing um, design blogs and thinking about uh, the evolution of, of, of design outside of the world of data visualization. And I think it's just very cool that I, I now live in this time where all of those concepts can converge into a single pursuit. Um, it is like candy to your brain when you're able to sit down and solve a problem that draws from that many uh, uh, th that many areas. So that's the selfish reason. And the, the less selfish reason is that um, is, is largely what I was describing before, um, that we have uh, we live in a world where we are now capturing the amount of data exhaust that we generate and and is being captured is immense and growing at a crazy rate. So we have this new, um, this new quantifiable lens of what humanity is uh, and the best way or one of the best ways that we know of how to communicate that complex information to each other is, is um, visually um, via, via data viz. And so I think there's a tremendous future in the pursuit of harnessing this, this wealth of data that describes or approximates humanity in very different compelling ways, figuring out how to render that um, to further our understanding of ourselves and each other. That was Nick Stepro. I'm back with Mark Marinelli. Um, Mark, any thoughts on what you just heard? So many of our other guests have talked about the work required to prepare data so that companies can draw meaningful results from it. Nick offers a great take on what happens after that work is complete and you have your data sets, that sort of last mile of visualization. You need to present that data so that people can understand and use it. Um, his story serves a, a good bookend 
of what's been discussed in the earlier episodes. Um, putting what Nick said into the greater context, telling a story with data is a detailed process from getting the right data to cleaning it up to visualizing. A lot of work goes into creating a chart or a graph and providing your users all of the context necessary for them to be successful is extremely important. All right. With that, thanks to Nick Stepro for speaking with me. And thank you, Mark. Thank you, Nate. Take care. This has been the Data Masters podcast from Tamer. Thanks to everybody listening.